Hello and welcome to the Coffee Gals podcast, brought to you by the team behind the Ottawa Coffee Fest. Bonjour et bienvenue au podcast Café, présenté par l'équipe derrière le Café Fest Ottawa. My name is Mel. Et mon nom est Jen. Every few weeks, we'll be speaking with different people within the industry, so you can get to know more about your favorite local roasters and coffee shops. Let's get started. Today, we're here with Eric Saumur, principal of ZenBooks, Canada's go-to cloud accounting firm. They are not your typical accounting firm. They bring a fresh, unique, and modern approach to a very old-fashioned industry. They provide strategic advisory services for business owners using cloud-based accounting solutions. ZenBooks help their clients so they don't need to physically be in an office, which means they're in pretty high demand these days. As a boutique firm, we love the fact that their platform is accessible anywhere, and we can personally vouch for their easy-to-use tools and services. ZenBooks is a valued partner of the Ottawa Coffee Fest, and we're grateful to their team for their ongoing support of our event. We're getting down to business today, and Eric is here to talk to us about starting and operating a profitable coffee shop or business. Hopefully, after this chat, you'll have a better understanding of profitability expectations and some of the successes and pitfalls of owning a coffee-related business. Hello, Eric. Thank you so much for meeting with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Of course. Can you tell us about yourself and Zen Books and a little bit about what inspired the company? And, you know, obviously we've been in our, this pandemic of ours since March. So, you know, how are things going with that? As I mentioned earlier, your team has been offering, you know, virtual services since the beginning. So hopefully you're uh, adapting to that wasn't too difficult for your team. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, a little bit on me. I mean, I, I used to work in one of those big accounting firms. Um, and uh, while it was a great experience, I, I decided to get out of that. And, and, and so now I'm doing it for myself and decided to do a little bit more of a boutique kind of experience for our clients, which is, uh, in my experience, a little bit more fun. You know, we get that good relationship with business owners and we can actually add value, you know, instead of, uh, you know, basically talking with big, big companies, we, we deal with the real economy, which is the, the small and, and medium business owners in our community. So it's way more fun. Yeah. And so I, I guess as a firm, we've, we've been working remotely since the beginning. So for us, it wasn't a huge, huge change operationally for our, our nine uh, full-time people. It was, it was really just about dedicating our time to our clients instead of, you know, figuring out how are we going to work remotely? How are we going to do these Zoom calls? I mean, we were kind of doing that beforehand. So for us, it was really about putting all of our energy towards helping our, our clients when the pandemic kind of hit and figuring out all these rules. So thankfully we've got it sorted out and thankfully we have a good team that, that helps our clients right now. And, and so I think we're faring off. Okay. It was just training wheels apparently to get you to this point. Yeah. Yeah. Always <laughs> learning, always training. Yeah. Um, so what's the, what's the most important thing uh, for new coffee shop owners, um, what do they need to know? So let's let's get down to brass tacks. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know when we look at just overall like business ideas, uh, you know, there's there's the kind of businesses that are really purely profit driven, and and you also have 
businesses that kind of have a mix of of uh, labor of love and and you know obviously wanting to make a living and so one thing to remember with coffee shops is that you're never gonna you know strike it rich uh it's it's, it's not a massively profitable kind of business where you know you can easily retire after working for three years here um it, it really is a labor of love uh you have to really love what you do you're going to be actively involved in the process um and so the, the thing is with coffee shops, there's the, the success rate is not incredibly high compared to other business owners or businesses uh, out there. And so typically what we've seen with uh, independent coffee shops is that, you know, 50 to 74% of independent coffee shops uh, will fail in the first five years. So the big important part of that is like, why? And, and, and what can we do uh, to mitigate that risk, right? And, and so thankfully, you know, you, you can do some research, you could look that up. And so we've done a little bit of, uh, of research on our end to, to look at that. Can you elaborate a little bit on some of those reasons? What we've noted, funny enough, uh, poor product quality is, is actually the, the least likely reason for a coffee shop to fail. And so the, the most common reason why a uh, coffee shop would would fail is is unprepared ownership or lack of branding which um you know good and bad it means that you know you don't actually need to know how to make good coffee to to run a good coffee shop um you know one of those i guess ways to really uh, visualize how important branding is with your coffee shop is how you know just here in ottawa we had bridgehead as a as a really big group um you know there's 19 locations 300 over 300 people and so they had uh, they have sold out uh, to uh, second cup uh for 9.5 million just recently which comes out to about half a million per store so uh i mean clearly the the value there was was in the brand in in, in having that bridgehead experience which we've all enjoyed and and so that's what you kind of have to remember is, you know, you have to have a memorable experience for your, your clients. Um, the, the number three reason why uh, most coffee shops would fail is on bad location. So, you know, basically top three is unprepared ownership, no brand and poor location. So those things can be planned for before you even open, right? So those are the things that you can prepare that would really help with, ensuring that you'll actually have a success. Um, and, and one of the big things we've noted with business uh, owners that, that run coffee shops is that they oftentimes focus so much on the quality of the coffee, the quality of their espresso, or, or, or you know, exactly what, you know, uh, coffee beans you actually use when, when in fact, there's, you know, you have to be a good manager and you also have to be a good business owner. And so one of the books that I've really suggested often was the E-Myth book, um, which you can look up and, and it really helps you understand the differences between, you know, for a business owner, between being a good employee, being a good manager and being a good business owner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I guess just to expand a little bit on like the number one reason, which is being unprepared for ownership. So, uh, do you, do you just want to talk a bit more about that? Is that like, um, you know, not, not, not having a good lawyer or, or doing all the steps in order to, to be a good ownership? Yeah. So I, I think part of that is, is just understanding the obligations of a business, right? So knowing, well, hold on, I got to re, re, you know, register for HST. I, right. I, I need to actually register a payroll account. Uh, I need to, should I incorporate or should I not? Uh, how often do I have to do bookkeeping? Uh, kind of those high level, just overall business kind of questions that, that you should kind of address. So um, 
sometimes what we've seen too is we'd have a uh, an established business individual who's already gone through some successes uh, in business and they open up a coffee shop afterwards and they have a, a better uh, success rate because they've, they've gone through that process. They have those contacts, like a good accountant, a good lawyer. Um, and, and so those are the kind of the, the preparedness for uh, ownership. And, and I'd say that even, even more important than the actual knowledge of how to run a business is the interest in wanting to learn, right? Like if you're not interested in learning on how to do this, that, that, you know, it doesn't matter if you know how to do it. And if you're not interested in it, that's not going to go well, you know, like if, because you're not going to be well prepared, you're not going to do cash flow projections, you're not going to look up your, who your key suppliers are and the terms that you could have with them, right? Like you're not going to get into those level of detail if you don't want to get into those level of details, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and having the interest of, of continuing to do that mm-hmm. research because it changes all the exactly. time. Exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I also think the brand is, I'm a designer by trade. So that's really important to me, obviously, <laughs> right? You know, knowing how to, uh, um, I used to work with a, a marketing person who would always say, you got to sell the sizzle. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just definitely, that's such an important part of, of who you are and making sure to like, set the right tone for yourself as a, as a business and establishing yourself and like, mm-hmm. giving it a name and an, and an, and an identity Mm-hmm. is uh, is crucial and, and and i think it's important to also realize that like you know coffee uh you know it's water and, and grains right like people can do that at home so they they go to a coffee shop for a reason right they want the experience they want you know the the environment they want the branding that goes behind it they want to carry a cup that has that brand on it they you know they go to a coffee shop for a reason you know they, they could just do it at home but they don't yeah that's a good point so how do you build out projections for a particular coffee shop? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, basically, you know, you could drive yourself crazy trying to figure out, you know, how many uh, chocolate chip cookies you're going to sell, how many, you know, Americanos, how many espressos, uh, you know, it, it would drive you crazy. Um, but realistically, the best way to do these kind of projections is to look at your average dollar of sales per customer, and you multiply that by your number of customers. So really that is your big kind of challenge is first get more people in and then have them spend more in your shop because getting people in is relatively tough, but getting them to spend a little bit more is easier than multiplying your number of people coming in. So, so that's a big metric. That's a little bit hard to understand sometimes with, um, with new uh, coffee shop owners. Um, the other thing to kind of remember with this is that if you're going to sell only coffee, uh, you're going to sell an enormous amount of coffee to try and break even. It, you know, you, yes, the the profitability on a single cup of coffee might be high percentage-wise, but you still need to sell a lot of two to three dollar coffees to pay for, you know, a four thousand dollar rent for the month, right? And and so, it's important to to basically not just sell coffee, but you're selling that experience. So you're selling muffins, you're selling swag, you're selling beans and mugs. You're, you're, you're trying to sell them anything that's somewhat coffee related in the shop um, to increase the, the amount they spend for every person you've brought in. Um, so that's, that's how you would project it out is really the dollar sale per customer multiplied by the number of customers. I think, uh, sorry, just to, to jump in here quickly about, you know, kind of increasing that, that average, like spend that, that people are, are doing when they come into your store. I find a lot to, you know, this is kind of looping in the pandemic, but I'm seeing a lot of 
a lot more places doing that like swags and and stuff right now because you know you can't just go into a restaurant and spend a lot of money so I'm, I'm seeing that as like anything to try and get people to, to 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 contribute I guess maybe that's a slightly different thing right now but um but yeah definitely seeing lots of coffee shops carry more products like you know brewing equipment and stuff like that that's becoming really really popular uh and obviously the mugs and stuff like that so I wonder if people are becoming more aware of the need for, for selling that variety because of the pandemic as well. I think that's probably highlighting it a bit. Mm -hmm. And, and this, I think, ties into the brand as well, because by people buying, uh, you know, some swag or buying some beans and bringing that home or a mug, like you're further branding everyone who's going to that person's house, who's going to see that mug, who's going to see that shirt, who's going to see that hat. So, so I've even seen some situations where uh, at the beginning, some of the coffee shops would sell some of their swag at, at a rather steep discount in order to just get the brand out, you know, like get it out and get high volume of, of exposure on, on the brand. Right. Um, Cause that's, that's, what's key. Uh, one of the, one of the interesting things too, about um, uh, your projections is uh, Starbucks was uh, the initial company to, to look at what's called the lifetime value of a customer. And so basically projecting that one new customer that's never been to Starbucks, what is their value for the company? Because Basically, if a customer comes one time, maybe there's a 20% chance that they'll come a second time. And then what's the profitability from the first time and the second time, and then the third time. And, and when you start looking at probability that they're actually going to refer someone else. And, and so when you multiply all of that and you see how many times they're actually going to show up and add profitability to your store because you brought them in one time, then you see what your lifetime value of your customer is. And then you can start doing proper marketing spend to say, okay, well, if one new customer is worth $20 to me, then I'll spend up to $15 to try and get one person into our store. And I'm still getting a benefit from it, right? So, so people sometimes forget how valuable it is to get one good customer. And, and so how, how much you should try and spend to try and get one good customer every time, right? So, um, yeah. That's great. Um, so in, in terms of uh, employees, uh, how do you control costs related to salaries? Yeah, if we went back to just overall, um, you know, the business success for coffee shops, um, you know, they're not widely, widely profitable, right? So there's not a huge margin of error for uh, your expenses and, and salaries are going to be a big portion of your expenses. So essentially, you have to really, really control uh, your salaries costs. And, and the best way to do that is to basically be a little bit skimpy on, on, on the staffing. So try at the beginning to not just overstaff and then and send people home, but it, you know you should be starting from a, a small point of understaffing and hopefully they, they're busy and then you can add people over time. And, and, and so I would say, you know as soon as you know it's not busy and you can get one of your part-timers to go home early, get them home early. You need to be very, very much on top of uh, sending people home when it's not busy. Cause honestly, it's not super exciting for, for the staff to even be there when it's not busy and it, it costs you money. And it's the, the $10 here every day or $10 every couple hours that, that basically eat into your margins uh, quite substantially because it's salaries. It's the biggest expense. So uh, usually what we recommend is that you, you don't go out and just, 
you know, hire a full-time senior manager for your coffee shop right away, uh, they're never going to have the level of attention that you're going to want to have for your business. Um, you know, in theory, it's nice to just say, great, I'll hire a manager and they'll hire people and things will be great. Um, but I can tell you, that's not how it happens. Like <laughs> uh, that person's not going to care as much as you would. And you have to be there. You have to have gone through it and then you can start delegating. So, and then you can actually start getting um, that manager to do the tasks that you know need to be done. And so I, I would also say, you know, training is incredibly important. Um, and, and basically you have a lot of waste in your uh, lack of training of staff, right? Like if they start overusing products. Um, so, so I would have a very detailed onboarding plan so that they can even go home, like the new employees could go home, read the binder that explains how to be an amazing barista at your coffee shop before even day one, right? So maybe you pay them per hour for that, but at least you're not wasting a trainer's time to show someone something that they could read on their own because then the employee can come forward with their questions instead of being shown everything A to Z and multiplying your salaries costs by having multiple people doing one person's work, right? So so would you probably recommend doing part-time, like only doing part-time people at first versus, you know, full-time because the breaks and this, you know, you're paying their breaks and their, mm -hmm. their, their lunch hours, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the part-time is certainly a good avenue, especially as you don't know the demand and there's so much flexibility that you need to provide. Whereas, you know, I think getting the full-time staff is a really good way to have that consistency, right? They can actually start to train and all of that, but realistically, uh, as the owner operator, you're going to be in there, you're going to be the main person, and you're going to be training until those part-time staff are, are, are well-trained enough. And, and then you can start adding some full-time people to once you know your demand more consistently um, for, for the coffee shop, right? Um, but before that, it's going to be so hard to know how much you should be staffing, and you're kind of permanently getting into trouble if you have multiple full-time staff members, right? Whereas part-time gives you that flexibility, which uh, helps you lower your costs, so. That's awesome, yeah, definitely needing to, you know, be willing to put in the work at first, right? To, you know, yeah. don't necessarily bring in too much before you even know kind of what <laughs> you're getting into. So what are some of the common upfront costs for starting a coffee business? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, if you're going to start a bit like a coffee shop business, you're going to have this question to see how much money do I need to, to get this going. Um, uh, the first thing I'd say is that if there's a, um, a, a spot in a uh, commercial space that where there's a, a coffee shop that was operating there before, there's going to be massive savings there, right? So uh, if you want lower upfront costs, uh, you might have to pay a little bit more per month. To, to run the coffee shop because you're paying the landlord a little bit more every month to have access to those improvements and, and all the, the, the equipment that's there. Um, but if you're trying to save some money up front, that, that could be a good solution. Um, I think, you know, if we look at the actual numbers wise, we, we could go into, you know, how much you should spend on furniture, equipment and, and, and all of that. Um, I think Overall, if, if you're starting from scratch uh, with new equipment, new furniture, uh, and new leasehold improvements, including a cash reserve, you know, 120, 130,000 is usually what would be needed. Um, some of that could be financed, so you'd have to go through um, through a bank, and and they can lend you on furniture and equipment um, and leasehold improvements sometimes. 
Um, and so there's, there's kind of a, a financing that you could do there. Um, I think one thing that a lot of new coffee shop owners need to control, I guess, is, you know, any, like you don't want to overspend on your leasehold improvements. And, and, and so to, to summarize that a leasehold improvement is basically, you know, your, uh, your furniture that's around the shop and, and, and how beautiful it is, like how much, you know, nice paint and, 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 and paintings. Um, and so if you overspend on that, you're permanently impacted. You know, you, if you've, if you've spent a million dollars on your coffee shop, well, you, like even in year five, year six, year 10, you're still trying to pay off that, you know, that overspending that you did. Right. So, um, you know, if, if you look back to the basics of a coffee shop, people love coffee shops because they're chic, they're simple, you know, they have a sense of, uh, peacefulness to it. You know, you don't need crazy expensive furniture, you know, you don't need a whole variety of, of, of things for, for, for your clients to come in. They really like the simple experience. And, and so play on that as much as you can, because it is a risky business and, and it's worth going into. Um, but you do need to control your upfront costs and you can always renovate afterwards, right? Like that's always a possibility. Um, but keep it simple at the beginning. And, and in terms of, um, you know, a shop size, um, what, what would you kind of recommend for that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, well, right now it's a little tough because of COVID. I think it, it goes hand in hand with, you know, don't go bigger uh, than you need to. I think you're going to be in a much better situation to get like a, a small shop that has, you know, maybe eight tables, seven tables kind of thing, uh, unless you're very confident that things are going to go well. Um, I think what's usually not uh, thought about is, you know, what's the actual physical expansion plans that are possible, right? So when you look at a coffee shop location, who's the actual tenant next door? Are they going to be there in five years? Are they maybe going to be there? Are they maybe not going to be there? Is there a possibility that in four years from now, uh, you tell your landlord that you want that space? And and if it's a, you know, a business that's transient, that's just kind of in and out, then you know, you have that possibility to talk to the landlord and say, yeah, I am interested in expanding in, in two years or, or, or whatnot. And then you can easily do that. But if you have an established big business right beside your location, there's no way you're going to be able to expand. So you'd have to like basically move out, you lose your hundred grand or your, all of your, you know, uh, furniture or a lot of the, the, the actual renovations that you might have made. Um, so it's important to look at the longevity of you know where you are and and how agile the space really is around your shop mm -hmm. and how you can how you can grow from there as well yeah. um just to, as a side note like you know I, I know you had mentioned like location is very important earlier i think it'll be interesting to see in the next few years if you know in the suburbs um if there is going to be a bit more of the local coffee shops popping up, um, especially in Ottawa, since we're very suburb heavy, um, yeah. a lot of the coffee shops are very downtown. So, but if everyone's working from home still, um, you know, maybe we'll see kind of a shift there. Um, mm -hmm. So if anyone out there is <laughs> looking to Business <laughs> open up, alert. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> and, and I know that the city has a big, push uh from a zoning side like they, they really want to support um that you you live work and play in the same area right mm -hmm. so if if you're living in canada they want to try and find 
that people work in Canada, they play in Canada, they live in Canada. And if you're in Orleans, the same thing. So there's going to be more and more emphasis on trying to support those businesses so that people don't have to like drive 30 minutes to go get a coffee and back. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, so exactly. um, it, it could be a good yeah, situation. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how it'll unfold. Um, and, um, so how can, how can coffee businesses make sure to be profitable as possible once they're uh, up and running and, and ready to go? Yeah. So if you're controlling your, your, your rent by, by looking at, you know, your, your location, you, you've, you've controlled your, uh, your costs on setting up the business. Um, basically what's left is going to be, uh, the cost of the, the beans, the cost of the milk, um, and, and you're going to be looking at the revenue. Those are the big factors going forward. So, so you need to think about the things that you can control and, and those are the things you need to try and improve. Right. And so the big factor in there, I mean, y- you may or may not be able to have that much control on the cost of your products. Um, that's kind of more of a medium term solution, but the, I think the the short wins and the medium term plan is really looking at your pricing. That's what you can control. And that's what you can change on a regular basis. And so you have to not be scared to actually increase your prices, you know, from one month to the next. And and maybe that's one week to the next, you know, like, you know, now we have the tools to to be able to change your pricing regularly. It doesn't need to be, you know, on on a board somewhere and, and, and everybody remembers that it's always 99 cents, you know, for something. It's it's in your, your, your POS terminal, right? Like you can change it, you know, from a computer, you change it from, you know, a dollar and 12 cents to a dollar and 18 cents pretty easily. And and most customers are not going to notice those, those small changes. And realistically, if, if those customers do notice and they're bothered by the, the small price change, they don't matter (laughs) because realistically, if you look at the math on, on, on pricing, uh, if you had a 5% increase on pricing, you know, you might lose, let's say 2% of your customers, but, but that also means that you've increased your profits and you have less orders to fill. So that's kind of a win, right? Like even if you do lose a couple customers, if you were able to increase your prices, that's less work for your staff and more profit. So it's Okay to lose some customers sometimes, right? Um, and so it is a little bit of a magic trick, but the idea is that, you know, you have to be agile with your pricing to to change it from week to week, especially on like seasonal items, you know, like the if something's a, a trend or if something is really uh, kicking off to with a lot of sales in your store, you might wanna either increase it or, or decrease it based on like a marketing strategy, but you have to be able to just try things out, you know? Uh, it's kind of like A-B testing and, and, and seeing, what, what works, what doesn't, and, and just be ready to change your pricing often because from one store to the next, they will not sell the, the same thing for the same price. I think if you know people know or understand the value of what they're getting when they go and buy something from your coffee shop, um, you know, particularly in, in our kind of context, you know, supporting local roasters and having a, a better understanding of like of that whole like that whole process, the, the roasting process, you know, we've been talking a lot about that um, and it, it's all kind of connected. Right. And so I'm, I'm happy to, you know, I'm willing to go and, and spend, yes, it's maybe a more expensive uh, drink or beverage, but there's, I think more value to it. And so, you know, happy, happy to do it and, and support these coffee shops that we want to see succeed in our community. Mm-hmm. 
no, you're right. And I think it goes back, like you said, to the branding, right? Like to, to why they're going there. And yeah. Yes, absolutely. So do you have any bookkeeping advice? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, uh, you know, if we go back to, uh, you know, just overall uh, unprepared for ownership, this is one of those things that you can prepare for, for that ownership. Um, if you're a, a business owner already for another business, you might already kn- know a little bit of the basics around bookkeeping and, and whatnot. But um, some of the high levels are, you know, do you register for HST? Um most likely, if you're on a copy shop, you're going to have to register. Uh, it, do you register for payroll account and how do you do that? Um, so it is through a CRA form. You, you'd either ask your accountant or you can go and fill out uh, a form when you incorporate, you get a business number from CRA. And then from there, you ask if you could register a HST account using that form. And you also ask at the same time for a payroll account. So that's when you would make sure to get those. So, um, so that's pretty big. Uh, the big number one thing in bookkeeping, keep your personal and your business accounts separate, please. Um, that's, you know, you can try and do your own thing for a while and then you go and see a professional afterwards. Um, and if you didn't keep things separate, it's going to be an incredible headache for you. So make your, do yourself a favor. If you're opening up a business, have a business account, have a business credit card and only use your, those cards for business expenses and try not to use your personal cards for business expenses. So those are some key facts. Um, keep all of your receipts. So, you know, whether that's uh, physically or using uh, receipt management apps, there's a lot of really good receipt management applications now that are available at reasonable prices. So there's like Receipt Bank and HubDoc, uh, Expensify. Those are some big ones. But uh, what that would do is basically you get to just use your phone, you click a button using these apps, and it uh, automatically reads the receipt and it sorts them in your archive so that basically it, it doesn't fade over time. You don't lose those receipts. Your accountant has access to them right away. And, and so basically it, it's the, the, the new way of, of doing business as a business owner is keeping your, your documents electronically, right? And so these are some of those tools that could be used. Um, you want to have a good uh, POS terminal. Um, so basically, that's the, the the place where you're punching in people's orders and whatnot. So you could use like Square uh, is, is a big one that, that we've seen. And, and so you can collect payments through that. Um, and then there's kind of the big question of do you incorporate or not? Um, so from a very high level, um, you know, there's, there's kind of some liability side to incorporating or to not incorporating. Um, but if you already have a business uh, before opening up a coffee shop, I, I would uh, recommend that you do incorporate um, because that way you can use pre-tax money. So you haven't paid personal income tax on that money before investing it, right? So you can use uh, pre-taxed money for uh, your, this project. And so that's kind of the, the high levels. Uh, if you do incorporate, you know, you have a yearly corporate tax return, which uh, uh, basically your accountant would, would help out with. Um, but if you don't incorporate, it's a pretty straightforward kind of filing uh, that a lot of business owners kind of, kind of just do on their own. So they don't always need to, to reach out to, to an accountant. Yeah. And, and probably one thing to keep in mind that's, that's important is like, you know, perhaps these like receipt management apps, maybe there's like a, you know, a a fee, a monthly fee or a yearly fee, but in terms of the big picture, you're probably going to spend a lot more money on an accountant's time going through your receipt one by one versus paying that like monthly fee. Yeah. And and it's not just about the, the accountant's time or fee, but also, you know, the cost of, of not having a receipt when CRA is asking you for it is pretty big. Because mm-hmm. then there's a lot of time involved and there's a, 
you got to pay the accountant a little bit more money for that one too, you know? So, so be well prepared. It doesn't cost you much to actually keep your receipts, right? So um, it's one of those things that you, you can do. It is annoying, especially for new business owners because they don't realize how much work it could be to actually keep all of those receipts, but it, it's going to save you a world of trouble uh, down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we can personally vouch that those... Uh, like Receipt Bank and HubDoc and all those systems are amazing. It really, everything's very clear. You don't like, you know, you don't have to keep track of where it's it's gone. And yeah, we really like being mobile. And so this is great for us. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Eric. This was a super informative discussion. And I think you've provided a lot of great information for businesses and coffee shops and it was really, really helpful. Um, before you go, can you just let people know where they can learn more about ZenBooks and how to contact you and how they can obtain your services? Yeah, so you guys can check out uh, zenbooks.ca. So that's uh, Z-E-N-B-O-O-K-S.ca. Uh, you can find my info there. You can send me an email. I'm always happy to answer some questions for new business owners. Uh, we know that Honestly, as a new business owner, you, you probably have like 10 times more questions than most of our other clients, you know, so, but we get that and we, we love helping out new business owners. So we're happy to, to help out. We're happy to go through all that stuff. And um, you can also check out our Facebook page. We sometimes have some pretty uh, cool and in, in, informational information for, for CRA stuff, but also for insight like this uh, on our, on our Facebook page. So just look up uh, Zen books on there. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me anytime. Thank you so much for listening. Our podcast is available on our website at ottawacoffeefest.ca. Tell your friends and share the love. Je m'appelle Jen et nous sommes les cafés. My name is Mel and we're the Coffee Gals. Thank you and stay tuned for our next episode coming out in a few weeks. Until then, keep supporting your local roasters and coffee shops.